The title for this, for this sermon today, or this message today, is Be Found Faithful, A Year-End Bookend. <laughs> a Year-End Bookend. And the reason is, is you, if you've been with us for a while, you know that uh, there was a theme for this year uh, that started, you know, the first week of January last year, and it was called Be Found Faithful. And where that came from was last fall, for the kind of the, really last year, but especially last fall, around my wife and myself and maybe even some of you, there was just a lot of turmoil going on in some of our friends' life. There's a lot of people that were walking away from the Lord, uh, making decisions that were just completely ungodly, people that you would never think of doing things that you would never think of them doing. And it was really grieving our hearts, um, mine and Melissa's personally, and some of you may have felt the same thing with people, family, friends in your lives. And so um, it really reminded myself, my wife, of how important it is to be found faithful. Um, there's a scripture, in fact, you can turn there, 1 Corinthians 4.2, just really quick, we'll refer to it. This was kind of our central verse, 1 Corinthians 4.2, and it talks about being found faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, and I'll read it really quickly, just kind of as a reminder. It says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Uh, some of your versions say must be found faithful. And we talked about, this is out of the NLT. We actually taught it out of the NAS, which says anyone who is to be a steward must be found faithful. And all of us have been given so much. Like Nick said, we've been given life. We've been given stuff. We've been given family, friends. I mean, we're blessed. We can't even really say how blessed we are because it's just immeasurable. And so out of that blessing, because of that blessing, we have a responsibility to be people who are found faithful, uh, not just to the things that we've been blessed with. If, you've, if you're a father, obviously you need to be a, a father who is faithful in leading his family, his wife, his stuff. But not just in that, but even what we've been given in Christ Jesus, we've been given new life. And something we say a lot around here is that we really got to work towards living a life worthy of the calling. And so that's kind of what that last year was about, um, being people who are found faithful, not just at the end of our life, not just in the end when we stand before God and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. But every day is an opportunity for us to be smiled upon by God and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, this fine Sunday afternoon or this Monday morning, or this Wednesday evening, or Friday, you know. And so that was the theme for the year, and, and we had several different teaching series that we went through, and everything lined up or fell under that idea of being found faithful, equipping us, hopefully, to be people who are found faithful every day in our life. And, and so what I want to do uh, this last Sunday of the year is kind of bookend that. We started with Be Found Faithful. We're ending with Be Found Faithful, uh, a year-end bookend. And so I want to start with this statement here, and this is a duh statement, and we've sang about it all morning long. God is always faithful. Amen? God is always faithful. There's a truth there that you can take to the bank, that God is always faithful. We are the ones that are usually allowing our fires to go out. Never God. God's fire always burns hot. It always burns bright. It even makes me think of that, that pillar of fire by day that led Israel uh, through the desert. He's always burning hot. He's always burning bright. We're the ones that allow our fires to go out. Um, and, and the house that we bought that we're now in, it has a, a fireplace. Our old house had one. 
But this one has a fireplace that has the gas uh, starter or gas. It's gas, you know, but it's not just gas. You can also burn wood in it. So it's really more of a gas starter. So you turn on the gas, you light a match, and just watch it flame. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, baby. It doesn't take a lot of work. You don't have to go get this special log or what, you know. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, so it's a, it's a gas-starting fireplace, wood-burning, but gas-starting. But listen, what I've found is that it's also a gas-stoking fireplace. See, whenever it starts going kind of dim and the fire's kind of burning out, all I got to do is go over there and crank the gas back on, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about? Versus one of those fireplaces, you always got to be poking on it. You always got to turn in the logs and put new kindling on it and all this stuff. This is way easier, and I love it. We've just, the past several nights where it's been cold and, and all that stuff, we're just like, oh, yeah. Oh, fire's going out. <laughs> Excuse me, babe. I got to go. You know what I mean? It's glorious. It's glorious. But listen, I was thinking about that in relation to what we're talking, to, uh, talking about. And as much as God loves us, and he does, we sing about it. His love never, never runs dry. As much as God loves us and wants to see our fire burn bright and burn hot, believe it or not, he leaves the stoking up to us. You hear what I'm saying? The stoking of that fire, the the maintaining of that fire, he leaves to us. It's kind of like when Paul was writing In his second letter to Timothy, in chapter 1, he's talking to him. He's giving this greeting. Hey, man, you're doing good. But let me just tell you something. I want to remind you to kindle afresh. Some of your versions say, fan the flame of the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See, Timothy tended to be the kind of guy that would go through periods of insecurity, um, seasons of doubt, seasons of wondering if he even hears from God and even having you know, feeling like he was having all kinds of difficulty leading because he was a pastor of the, of the church of Ephesus. And I'm having a hard time leading this congregation. Am I hearing God? Am I doubting? I'm doubting. I'm insecure. He was going through that. And Paul writes him and says, man, listen, you've got to fan that flame. You've got to kindle afresh that gifting, that calling, that passion that is in you. And I think we all struggle with the same thing that Timothy struggles with, struggled with. We all struggle with that from time to time, especially I think in this season of history where the enemy is working harder than he ever has to discourage the saints, to extinguish the fire that is in the saints, to draw us away from the Lord and and to put out that fire that's in our hearts towards God. And so, you know, you think about um, stoking that fire or fanning that flame. It's really an everyday challenge. You know, it's kind of like the men's camp out several weeks ago. You know, we, um, we went to bed, I don't know, maybe around 11 o'clock, and that fire was just, you know. And uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I had to go, you know what I'm saying? I had to get up, and I had to go to the bathroom. So I went out of the tent, and, uh, and it was cold, and I just kind of really couldn't sleep. I was awake, you know. And so I went over there, and the fire was dead, so I stoked it, you know. I knew it wouldn't burn all night, but it's going to be, it would be that much better in the morning, you know. So you had to stoke that fire, and I'm tossed. I didn't have the gas stuff with me, so I had to literally do it. But it's the same thing. It's an everyday challenge. It's, a, it's sometimes moment-by-moment moment challenge. Faithfulness is a daily thing. And I thought about how it's like fanning the flame, but it's also like physical fitness. Some of you have got some physical fitness people in here. It's like physical fitness. Um, the longer you go without exercising, the longer you go without eating right, kind of the harder it is to get back into it. Do I have an amen? You know what I mean? 
And because of the longer and more difficult it is to get back into it, it's, it's usually harder to get back to where you were physically. You guys remember you used to have a six-pack. Now you got a keg. You know what I mean? It's harder to get back to where you want to be. And so um, it's a daily thing. And so I have a scripture that I want us to look at just to challenge us with. It's Psalm 37.3. Go ahead and turn there. Psalm 37.3. Most of us have th- uh, Psalm 37.4 memorized. Can anybody quote that? Psalm 37.4. Delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But there's actually a great verse right before that. Uh, Psalm 37.3. And here's what it says. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Now, if you had to boil it all down, what's this whole following God thing? You could boil it down to that, couldn't you? Uh, Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord, give him everything you got. Work towards righteousness, work towards pleasing him. Do good, not just for the sake of doing good, but doing for the sake of pleasing him. If you had to boil it all down, you could boil it down to that. Trust in the Lord and do good. It goes on to say, Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. There's another version that actually says, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Dwell in the land. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now, I'm going to pause real quick, just kind of a little bit of a rabbit trail on this dwell in the land. You guys, you know, with how tumultuous the, the world kind of is right now, there's a keen awareness of the end times. When you guys say, kind of always has been, but there's, you know, I think more than ever, we're like, man, it's coming. We actually just went through on Wednesday nights a thing called What You Need to Know About the End Times. It was really good. Uh, my son and I, my oldest son and I, we watched uh, the TV version of the Book of Eli the other night, which is kind of a post-apocalyptic movie, and it's kind of scary. You know, are they going to have water? People are killing you. People are walking around blind, you know. Anyway, um, and Aiden was like, man, is this what it's going to be like when this all goes, you know, south? And, you know, it's, it can bring a lot of anxiety where the world is, where it's going, the whole end times thing. Even as believers, there can be some anxiety uh, kind of centered around that. But here, I love this. Listen, don't worry about it. Trust in the Lord. Do good. Dwell in the land. I mean, that's, for the believers, that's just kind of a simple instruction. Dwell in the land no matter what. Dwell in the land no matter what the season or time is and cultivate faithfulness cultivate faithfulness. And there's a couple ways of looking at this, and translations kind of translated a couple different ways, and I want to look at it really quick one way. Basically, cultivate faithfulness. It's like, uh, like we were saying, fan that flame, uh, break a sweat, lose some calories, you know, pull up your bootstraps and get after it. Be faithful. Determine that you're going to be someone that is faithful. You got to get to work and get it done. We just planted a, a I don't know, 20 or so tree orchard at our house, and uh, I was actually texturing some walls um, when they, you know, and they drove up and they had a bunch of trees in the back of my truck and they're loading them out and they're just putting them on the ground, you know, where they wanted them, basically. But, you know, it didn't stop there. They didn't step back. They're there. When are they going to pop up? You know, when are they going to raise it? When are they going to start bearing fruit? No, my wife, and I've dug a few holes too, but my wife, my mother-in-law, my father, and my kids, kids' friends, uh, Isabel Hyde, everybody was over digging holes in my house. It was kind of crazy. 
Um, but anyway, digging these 18-inch holes 18 inches around so that we could put the tree in the ground and cover them back up, fill them with water. Listen, you've got to cultivate that. There's an effort towards uh, that. You want that kind of fruit, you've got to cultivate that tree. We're about to do chickens. I think I mentioned that last week. Well, guess what? I've got to build a coop where they're going to sleep at night and lay their eggs and roost. I've got to build a, um, a run where they can get out and, you know, have chicken races and rooster fights. You know, all that stuff. I got to do that. Otherwise, the critters are going to get them. The coyotes are going to come and eat them up. All that stuff. We'll do a garden, you know. Um, the land's not going to till itself. You got to get out there and till it. You got to pull the weeds and you got to do the things. Get the bugs off there. All that. You got to cultivate that land if you're wanting to see the results. And so if you're a person that wants to see God say to you on a daily basis and at the end of your life, well done, my good and faithful servant. You want to be someone that's found faithful. You've got to cultivate that. You do have to pull your bootstraps up and say, I've got to get to work here. There's some things to do. But I want to look at this from a, a little bit of a literal translation because it, it doesn't give a different spin. It just gives a little more clarity. So look at it real quick. And I want to look at two words, the word cultivate and the word faithfulness. The word cultivate, if you're writing things down, here's the literal meaning of that word cultivate. It means pasture. It means tend. It means graze. It means feed. So obviously this word cultivate in the Hebrew is a shepherding term. Would you guys see that pretty, pretty easily, pretty clearly? It's a shepherding term. I want to I stick on the word tend, okay? So put that up on the shelves, the word tend. Then look at this word faithfulness. Um, faithfulness means faithfulness. Basically some of the, the words like it are firmness. Something is firm. It's faithful. You can count on it. Not, not changing. Not going away. It's it's firm. Uh, it's steadfast. Steadfastness. That word um, faithful can mean uh, faithfulness can mean steadfastness. Uh, stability. Something is stable. Okay. You can count on it. And all of that comes not from a word, but uh, under the heading of the word truth. Okay. You look it up, and you're going to find that word truth in that definition of faithfulness. So if you're writing things down, I want you to write this down. You can look at it and read it this way. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and tend to the truth. Tend to the truth in your life. And what, um, I'm going to give you three things that we need to, um, three truths that we need to tend to. So you can write these down. Before we do, uh, if you want to write this down or something like this, I don't know if I have this on the screen or not, but if we're going to be people who are going to be found faithful, we've got to be people who are tending to the truth. Okay, we have to tend to the truth. If, if you don't hear anything else, at least get that in your hopper and go shoot it later, okay? We've got to be people that are tending to the truth if we want to be people that are being called faithful by the Lord. Okay, so three truths that we need to tend to. And there's obviously in the Word of God, there's a gazillion truths probably that we need to tend to and, and be sure are being cultivated in our life. But there's three that I've chosen for today um, that I think are some of the highest and most important and three that I am committed to personally over this next year going into 2013 to cultivate in my own life because I'm seeing deficiencies in the soil. I'm seeing a lack of fruit or smaller fruit or even spoiled, rotten, selfish, nasty, gross fruit in my own life, and I don't like it. Do you guys like eating rotten apples with worms going, you know, do you like that? No, you don't. And I can't imagine that any of us love the rotten spiritual fruit that's in our life. So write these down and listen real carefully. 
the first truth that we need to tend to, and Sean, thank you so much. You chose perfect songs this morning, is the truth that love is stronger than fear. That is a truth that we have got to get grounded, firm, stable, steadfast in our heart, in our mind, that love, God's love, the agape love that he has for us, that unconditional love is stronger than fear. Look at 1 John 4.18 really quick. 1 John 4.18. It says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because it's stronger. It's, you know, bigger muscles. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. So there's no fear in love, but perfect love, talking about God's love, casts out fear. See, when, we, when life gets a little shaky, and we sang again, we sang about this this morning. It's so great. But when life gets a little shaky, when things get a little crazy around us, a little less than stable, we start losing sight of God's love. If, and, and I'm terrible about this. I, it probably comes from father issues, you know, or whatever. But when things get tumultuous around me, my first reaction in the flesh is to forget that God's, God loves me and that it's all going to be okay. And what I start moving and operating in more than I need to is fear. I'm afraid that this isn't going to work out well. I'm afraid that life's about to go south. I'm afraid whatever. And not that I'm promised that everybody, everything's going to be just the way that I like it, but in things not being just the way that I like it, I can count on that being a part of God lovingly moving me to where He wants me to be and bringing about the trusting in the Lord and doing good part. You hear what I'm saying? Love is stronger than fear. Remember we read this on, in Timothy he said, I want to remind you to kindle afresh or fan the flame of the gift of God that is in you through the laying on the hands. The very next verse, because see, Paul knew Timothy very well, his number one disciple. The very next thing he says is, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice or fear. Some of your versions say timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline or a sound mind, some of your versions say. Another way of saying that is a steadfast thinking. You aren't tossed to and fro. Your thinking is grounded. A great way of saying that is faithfulness, a spirit of power, love, and God has put in us the spirit and the ability to be faithful. Uh, The second one is, the first one is love is greater or love is stronger than fear. Another truth that we really got to tend to, cultivate over this next year, and I am committed to it, is that faith is firmer than feeling. You guys, this is a big one. And it's very similar to this fear thing because I think our feelings are dictated or, or steered by whether we're walking in love or walking in fear. And so all of a sudden, whatever it is that we are feeling will be leading us, we'll be making our decisions out of more then faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says it best. You guys can turn there. You can mark these scriptures if you like doing that. Hebrews 11.1 1 is kind of that definition of faith thing. I'm reading it out of uh, <coughs> NLT. What is faith? What is faith? Hebrews 11 starts out, what is faith? 
It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. And the, the word to kind of key, on, key in on here is the word assurance. Because that word assurance, believe it or not, it means steadfastness of mind. Okay, what is faith? It is being steady, steadfast, firm, faithful, uh, grounded in your mind on, ultimately, on the truth of God's word. It also kind of can mean courage. So if, you're, if your mind's not steadfast, if it's not keying in on God's love, if it's, feeling, uh, more than, if it's feeling things more than faithing things, then guess what? You lose your courage. And the lack of courage is called discourage, you know? To encourage is to put courage in. To discourage is to take courage out. And when we're walking, not in His love, but in His fear... When we're not having faith, but we're having too many feelings, then what happens is we become very discouraged. Courage is taking out of us. And so what God has called us to be, to do, uh, it's not happening. We're at a, we're at a stale, we're at a, a stall out, rather. And so uh, I think the most natural thing for all of us is to uh, be led by feelings based upon we see in the natural. It's, 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 we are natural uh, we are mortal bodies with natural eyes. It's natural for us to see, uh, see things and, and possibly be led by our feelings. But listen, faith isn't about the natural. Faith is about keying in or cluing in on the supernatural. I read, I think it was Spurgeon. I can't remember the quote exactly, but he talks about how um, faith is a supernatural seeing. And he talks about how our real eyes are like walking around cross-eyed. You know, this is, this is basically how we walk around in life. You know what I mean? And he said, faith is a focus that goes beyond our eyes. You know what I mean? Faith, seeing things in the supernatural, isn't us walking around. But that's how we walk around sometimes. I walk around sometimes, you know, and I'm seeing two of everything. And when you see two of everything, you don't know which one to grab onto. But in faith, the Lord shows you the right one to grab onto. Amen? And so faith is firmer than feeling. Faith is what we believe, not what we feel. And I talk to people all the time who, um, who say, you know, I'm just not feeling God, or they were once on fire, but they're not feeling on fire anymore. They're not feeling the Lord right now, so they're not on fire. And we all feel that. I feel that at different times. But listen, we can't make the mistake of judging our relationship with the Lord based upon how we feel. Our relationship with Christ is not based upon feeling. It's based upon faith. When we accepted Christ, was it, I'm accepting Christ out of, out of feeling. I suppose some people do. But that's not what the Word says we accept Him out of. We accept Him in faith. And so if we're going to tend to our relationship, we can't tend on feelings. We have to tend on faith. And the, one of the main reasons you can't tend to your Faith with feelings or your walk with God or your faithfulness with feelings is because feelings change day to day. Sometimes our feelings change moment to moment. Can I get an amen? You know? And so, man, feelings is not something that you can count on. Because one minute I may feel um, high as a kite. You know what I mean? The next minute I may feel um, just lower than dirt. But see, in the midst of that, he remains. He's there. He's faithful. And he's always calling us. He's always beckoning us to come. So love is stronger than fear. This is a truth that we need to tend to. Now listen, I hope you're, you're hearing this because I'm committed to this. The fruit that I've seen in my life this year, 
Um, there's some good fruit, but there's enough rotten fruit in my own life that I'm like, I can't, I can't go into 2013 with this. I've got to get after it. It's time to do some cultivating. As hard as I would work planting trees or building a chicken pen, I got to work that hard on me tending to my faithfulness. And God obviously has his place in that. He's always working and moving. My part is to fan the flame, to stoke the fire. Amen. Um, another truth is um, faith is firmer than feeling. And the last one, and this one we don't really like very much, but obedience is greater than sacrifice. This is a truth that we have got to tend to. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Most of us are familiar where this comes from. This comes from the story when Saul was going to be going out to battle and uh, Samuel, the prophet Samuel said, wait for me, we'll offer up some sacrifices and then you can go into war. Samuel is there, I mean, uh, Saul is there, his men are there, they're looking down upon the army, which was a vast army. It was, you know, kind of like, ooh, we're, going, we're about to fight. Are we going to win? Are we not going to win? They're not going to know until Samuel comes here. They offer the sacrifice. And I don't know what held Samuel up. I don't know if he got stuck in a line at Walmart. I don't know what it was, but it delayed him coming. Saul started getting antsy, and the men started leaving. Samuel's not coming. We can't go into this war without the blessing of God, without sacrificing here. And so out of fear of losing his men, ultimately losing the battle, Saul offered up the sacrifice himself. If you know anything about the Levitical law, that's a no-no. You don't do that. The priest does that. So right about that time that he's got his gas stove, Samuel shows up. Man, what are you doing? Well, you, you delayed, and, and, and we're about to go to war, and my people are leaving. And I, oh, I just really wanted to bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. And Samuel says, you have disobeyed the Lord. In fact, look at what he says. I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there, but maybe turn there later, write, write down the reference. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Which is more important? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Some of your versions say obedience is greater than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. If you're writing things down, you can write this down. Serving God can never take the place of obeying God. And what I mean by that is when our relationship is a little out of whack, what we can do is focusing, we can focus on the doing instead of the loving and obeying. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for God. I'm I'm doing this, and everybody can see this. And all, but what is going on in your heart? What about the things the Lord has said? Are you obeying those things? And so what we equate is, I'm working here. This will be okay because this is a good thing. I'm offering up something. But that's not the way God said it was supposed to go down. You didn't heed his voice. You disobeyed. And there's all kinds of examples of how we do that in our life. But the, the truth that we've got to tend to is obedience is greater than sacrifice. Our works don't determine our level of faith. Read that in the book of James, right? Our faith will determine our level of works. We get it backwards. Our works trying to determine our level of faith. If I do this much, I must be this faithful. God's like, no, that's not how it works. So obedience is greater than sacrifice. That's pretty much it, those three things. My, my challenge is... 
for this next year is to look at those. I mean, you can write those down. And you know what? You may pray, Lord, what? Those are some of Tony's things that he's going to be working on personally, and I think they are of the top whatever. But man, there may be something, some truth in God's word that you yourself are needing to tend to. And I just don't think as believers we should take that tending, that cultivating as lightly as we do. You know what I mean? So here's what I would like us to do to end today. I'd like for us to um, pray into the next year. And I have a few specific prayers that I want us to pray. And and what I'd like you to do is just stand um, as family units. If you're here and you don't have a, a wife um, or a husband or kids or you're, you're more single or whatever, then um, as families stand and you see families come together, just go up to them and say, can I come in? And I just want you to repeat after me. And these are prayers. Are you guys okay? You've been with family, people you don't like all week. Now you're with, now you're with people you do like and you're having a hard time holding hands. I don't understand the problem. <laughs> and so I want you to repeat after me just like um, I'm saying it. And when you repeat this, you're actually praying it over someone else, okay? You're praying it over uh, your kids or you're praying it over your, um, your spouse or your husband or if there's a visitor in, coming to you right now. Um, you're praying that over them in faith that God is hearing your prayers and is responding because these are prayers that he would want you to pray and that you do find in the Bible one way or the other, okay? So I'm going to go over here and When you pray, may it be to hear and not to be heard. When you read, may it be to learn and not to be on schedule. When you worship, may it be to adore, not to be seen. When you tithe, May it be with a generous and cheerful heart, not a greedy and complaining one. When you serve, may it be to bless others, not to be blessed in return. When you witness, may it be with courage and not with timidity. Amen. If we could, just line up across the way here and all join hands in this place. I want us just to um, to pray for the building. Um, the, Exodus, the Exodus thing that Nick was talking about is um, Soma is, uh, the lease is not being renewed by the Discovery Science place for us. And so we're, we're moving, we're looking for a new place to meet. And there are some things in the works. Uh, I will tell you, commercial property is not cheap. And it can be very discouraging trying to find a place for a couple hundred people to gather every Sunday, to minister to the community throughout the week, to equip and disciple. It can be very tough. And so the card that he's talking about, the Exodus card, is, um, is the way that our church is responding to that need, uh, much like the Israelites responded to Moses' call, um, the contribution to building the tabernacle, the house of the Lord. And um, um, that's basically... Um, 
an opportunity to give maybe a one-time gift that would help go towards that, or if you're able to commit maybe a little bit more per month for two years or something, however you're able to give. And it feels funny even saying those kinds of things because it's like, what, are we raising money for something? When have we ever done that? But I guess it's part of being a family, isn't it? You know? And so pray about that. If you have not turned those in, you can turn them whenever. So our prayers are towards where we're going to be, but also, Lord, we, we incite you to be faithful to provide.